Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, and it is turkey season. I think this is the first, Chase, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first episode that we've recorded in turkey season, right? Yes. Yeah, we recorded a couple of episodes, uh, what is it, about four weeks, three weeks ago? Um, Yeah. And we haven't recorded one during turkey season. We got a little ahead for the first time, so now we're actually having to record during turkey season. Yeah, no, I... I'm excited, man. We got we got ahead of ourselves, like you said. We're, we're going to probably get back ahead of ourselves and build a cache so that uh, we can be reliable with you guys. However, that doesn't mean we won't stop during the season and talk about some some important, uh, you know, give you story updates and you know, harvest updates is what I really meant to say. Um, but in case this is your first time, my name is Walt, and I am joined by the other voice that you're hearing, Chase. Uh, Chase is the resident killer, but I have news today. I have breaking news. This is this is unprecedented uh since uh chase has joined this podcast he has caught more fish than me more fish sooner he's killed more bucks uh sooner than i this is the first time that i'm ahead of chase and i'm just kind of waiting for this other boot to drop because at any point in time he's going to go out with a slingshot and kill a turkey but i've killed a turkey before chase and a tom at that not just a jake on public land yes yes you have Uh, what an accomplishment (laughs) I guess if if you feel like that's an accomplishment, <laughs> if you feel like that's an accomplishment, hey, you got you got to have small goals, man. Small goals <laughs> help you get through it. Um, yeah. I, hey, I'm just proud of you, man. You've put it's been yeah, a long journey for you. What has it been? Eight eight years, kind of, of going after birds, kind of semi regular. I wouldn't say that you've yeah. like really targeted birds, but you have gone out. I mean, if you if you take all the times that I did, so I got my first set of turkey calls when I was 16. But I, I can honestly say that I never put in a full season's worth of effort at any point in time in my outdoor career. This is going to be like the first year that I put the time in. And I got to tell you guys, if you're if you're thinking about turkey hunting or you're reflecting 
on deer hunting and why you might not be successful in the different areas. I don't know your situation, but I have with turkey hunting this year found that it takes what it takes to kill a turkey and, and you don't know what that is until you put that time in. And I've been going nonstop. In fact, I went nine days straight turkey hunting. Um, well, I took one day off, but, uh, nine straight days of turkey hunting. I scouted for at least the first two weeks right before turkey season, going out and roosting birds. And I found myself a turkey hunting mentor. And we're going to cover a lot of that, I think, probably in this podcast. But, man, it just it's one of those things where turkey hunting, I feel, is one of those uh, opportunities where you get in, get out what you put in directly. Like, you don't luck into a tom, I don't think. Well, I think you can luck into a tom. Sure. Depending on where you're hunting at. <laughs> and, like, maybe how many toms that are in that area. That's fair. Of course. Uh, there's people all the time that go out and strike a bird up, and then two minutes later they got a bird down. Just I, I think it kind of depends on how hot it is. But I definitely think sure. that, like you're saying, the more that you get to go out there and figure out what the birds are doing, you're taking luck out of the equation. How about that? You're taking a uh, lot yeah, of the luck yeah. out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, I think turkey hunting – well, we'll get to this in a little bit, but uh, I, I just I think that a lot of it is knowing. It sounds so silly to say, but a lot of it is knowing where birds are. If you can identify where birds are with a pattern, it takes a lot of that guesswork out. And I know that sounds really silly, but with deer hunting, you have patterns. Deer do routine things. You set up on food sources. But with turkeys, a lot of it is just kind of figuring out where those birds are. And and even on quiet days when they're not talking, it allows you to you know, go after them and pursue them. But, I, I you know, I, I, I've hunted for, oh, I don't know, eight years, I think is probably a good number, which you said earlier, for turkeys. Almost the vast, overwhelming majority of that has been on public land where they are quite, quite quiet, uh, routinely more dependably quiet than they are vocal. And uh, being able to know where those birds were, I'll be honest with you, most of my turkey hunts in the past have ended at like 8.15, 8.30, because I haven't put the time in, and if I don't know where they are, I can't even say I'm in the right area. I'm going to hang out with confidence and, and you know try and go after a bird. Right? Yeah. A lot of it, like you said, if if they're not if if you're going out there and you haven't had a lot of success and things like that, and you haven't really put in the time to kind of figure out what the turkeys are doing, then you're going to probably, like you did, you're going to struggle some, and then that struggle is just going to become, okay, I put a little effort in, nothing's going on over here, it's right. time to move on. Yeah. I Heck, I've, I've done that myself before, <laughs> early on when I was yeah. turkey hunting. I just didn't know any better. Uh, I didn't have a turkey hunting mentor. I mean, I had one a little bit, but I really didn't have somebody telling me, oh, hey, if you, uh, once they fly down from the roost and nothing's going on, uh, a lot of people come back in about 10 o'clock uh, midday or mid-morning and go in once the toms have kind of separated from the hens a little bit, and they, there's like another round where the birds start gobbling again. Right. They're firing off right. to crows going off during the day. So it's just one of those things where, like you mentioned, you got to put the time in, and eventually you'll kind of get it figured out. Well, and I, I just want to back up a second. I'm obviously joking about the fact that I killed a bird before Chase. I have to admit I'm a little surprised because this is the first year <laughs> that I've taken turkey hunting seriously. But, um, you know, I think what I kind of want to do with this podcast, Chase, is I, A, I want to share this story because this is this is kind of funny how it all came together. Um, and I think it'll, you know, people like hearing our stories um, for some reason. I've still not been able to figure, <laughs> figure that out, Chase. But, uh 
I kind of want to touch on just maybe your season, how it started off, the behavior that you're seeing in your area, and then we can kind of break into my hunt. Because you've had, in my opinion, more exciting encounters than I have. I I just had the benefit of, of you know, a fence not being in the way. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've gone out. I've, I've had opportunities uh, for sure. Uh, I haven't been out as much as you have. Uh, you right. have kind of... I hate to say it, but kind of benefited from the whole lockdown coronavirus thing sure. where you've been able, <laughs> where you're working from home now and your boss has given you some leeway to where you don't have to start work until 10 o'clock in the morning. Right. So that has probably been one of the things that has helped you and gotten you out there way more than you would have already have been out there. What would you have been out there at this point now? Maybe three times, four times? As of this morning... I have got an entire season's worth of hunting in already. And what I mean by that is I'm a Saturday, Sunday hunter, traditionally speaking. And so a five-week season, 10 hunts, I've got 10 hunts in the books already. Right. So you're already past what you normally would, effort-wise, would put into a turkey season. (laughs) Right. And you've got a lot more to go. So, I mean, this season doesn't end till what is it, like April 26th or something? At this yeah, point, April twenty sixth, so, yes, or, or whenever I punch that next tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you punch that next tag, <laughs> if if yeah, or when, know, let's it, just say when when you punch that next we, tag, it'll be over. <laughs> but officially, well, April twenty sixth in Florida. Yeah, exactly. No, it, no later than April twenty sixth. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. People, I don't know. I, I maybe this is the first year that people, you know, our following has grown tremendously, and. I think there's probably a lot of people who don't know that in a lot of ways I'm, I'm, I'm quite the average hunter. You know, I'm not your big buck killer. I, I this is my first series. You're taking uh, Turkey serious and people reached out like, Hey man, uh, saw in your, your, your story, you're talking about going out today. You, know, you only get two tags. Don't, don't, don't end your season too early. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, guys, <laughs> you have way more faith in my personal turkey hunting abilities. I'm probably going to need every bit of the next four weeks to kill a bird. And, I mean, thus far, I haven't had another one. Uh, well, not entirely true. But I haven't had one within shooting range that I could have shot at. I've had them within shooting range that I couldn't shoot at. But, you know, I, I just, on public land, man, I'm, I'm finding these. What these 10 hunts have done is show me that there is such a variation for reasons that are very difficult to pinpoint in how much they talk. And I've got a log. Um, I've been hitting that up. And it's just interesting how on some of the most beautiful days, the birds just don't talk. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've learned over the years that you you just take your chances when you get them. I mean, if they come on the first day, if both of them come on the first day, you take them on the first day (laughs) uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen or you don't know. I mean, there could be things where, hey, I can't get out to hunt for a week now. And then right. something happens where, okay, the birds have moved on or whatever. And then you're, you're playing catch up, trying to figure out where they're at again. So I've always been kind of like, go ahead and take your chances when they come yep. for sure. Uh, and your season's not, yes, your season is over in the fact that you can't take another bird in Florida, but that doesn't mean you still can't go out. I mean, you can still right. go out with buddies or whatever. You can offer to film for people. You can still get out in the woods and just because you, you may not get a chance. I don't even really hunt for trophy birds. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah, me either. It's, it's not like I go, okay, I'm going to hunt this trophy bird and that, that bird only. Uh, I'm kind of equal. Opp- now, I don't, I'm not going to shoot like a small Jake or anything like that, but I don't go out and go, oh, okay, there's this bird that I've been seeing that's got three beards and 
Uh, I can tell yeah. that he's got an inch and three-quarter spurs from <laughs> 100 yards away with the binos. Yeah. Uh, I don't really yeah. do that because those birds typically are always on the other property when I'm trying to hunt them. Um, right. So, so I don't, like, put my season on, hey, I'm going to just kill – I'm just targeting this one bird. Right. Um, for sure. So if I were you, like I said, it's just, okay, next bird that comes in, because uh, you've only killed one, technically one turkey at this point in your hunting Ever. career. So yeah. you might as well, the next one that steps out for you is going to get blasted, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I was hunting private land, I probably wouldn't shoot a Jake, but I'm not going to lie to you as hard as the Florida public land. In fact, if you haven't hunted Florida public land for turkeys, deer is one thing. Turkeys is a whole nother can of worms. It is so difficult that I kind of feel like this year and maybe next, if a Jake walks out and it's, you know, maybe it's not the first day of the season or something like that. I don't know, but I don't find that I'm not going to pull the trigger on a Jake probably the rest of this year on public land. Now I happen to know where there's several times, but I mean, I'm, I'm a rookie. (laughs) I've got, you know, eight, 10 years worth of, of accumulated talking points when it comes to turkey hunting. But very little actual experience. None that I took the time to log or to record. I never had a turkey hunting mentor until this year. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I'm just not going to be picky, man. I'm really not. And you're right. The moment that I tag out, I'm going to either take someone else and run the camera or I'll just run the camera for someone. Or, hell, I might buy a Georgia license and drive up and hunt some Georgia public, you know, because their season runs through the middle of May. Right. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's it's fun either which way. I can tell you that much. I have an absolute blast with it. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. I I have bought like a couple of little items that I've kind of been not wanting to tag out anyways at this point. Um, just some stuff <laughs> that maybe I can catch one on film. So I'm I'm not in like a super, what super hurry to tag out. Hold so on, we got I, I we haven't back I haven't up. like a, I haven't bought like. A camera, but I watched a YouTube video by our buddy, uh, Byron Horton from yeah. the Whitetail Experience, and he had a, he just posted this YouTube video maybe a week ago, week and a half ago, about getting into filming like the cheap way and like some accessories yeah. you can buy for your cell phone, and uh, I've got a GoPro, so I'm waiting for a couple of those things to come in the, the mail so I can go out and maybe have like a setup to maybe catch one. Uh, on camera so i'm hoping for one of my kills that's why that's kind of like when you put a post online like who's gonna tag out first for turkey i voted for you (laughs) just for the fact that like hey i'm waiting for some stuff to get here anyways now if two (laughs) birds come in in one shot and i can get a double because i've never i've shot doubles with other people but i've never shot a double myself so if sure if i had birds the other day two of them came in but like i said they were on the other side of the fence if i get a chance i'm gonna shoot both of them (laughs) for for one hunt just because i've never done it but i would like to kind of hold off because i'm waiting for like i said i'm waiting for a couple of items in the mail and hopefully i can catch something on camera that that would be kind of cool that would be awesome i know i know that People, ever since your deer season, have been clamoring for you to be toting a camera. And, you know, the, the shameful thing about this coronavirus is, you know, while it's allowed me, one benefit is it's allowed me to get out and hunt more. The downside is I can't now, if I tag out, drive down there and see you because my wife would have a conniption. And I think I'd have to self-quarantine for like 14 days. And I'd have to brush my teeth with bleach. It's, it's just a weird set of events that have to happen afterwards. But... I mean, I would have loved to run the camera for you this year, but I just don't think it's going to be in the cards unless something improves soon. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because weren't you supposed to have a quota hunt this week? 
Like did, uh, yeah, today have, was the first. Right. Today was the first day of that of that quota hunt. It, the the downside to that is it's too far away for me to to hunt in the mornings. Right. During the week, that is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's about an hour and thirty minutes away. Um, and, and and you know if if the rest of this week continues like it is, I'll probably still keep that quota hunt and go down there maybe one morning just to scout. Um, even though if it won't be necessarily a long hunt, but you know it's. It, I've got these birds. I'm not going to say I've got them pinned here on public, but I mean, I've got a pretty good idea of what they're doing and where they're going. I mean, I've put close to three and a half weeks into, into watching these birds, roosting them, hunting them. Um, I feel like I'd almost be foolish considering one of them is a really big bird. Um, I'd almost be foolish to not be there whenever they stray a little too far from the hens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't see a reason for you to leave when you've got, yeah, you've got a great opportunity where you're at. And it's the same. It's the same species too. That's the other thing. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, it's still eastern. Yeah, it's still eastern. It's not an Osceola, so it's one of those things. If if I'm going to hunt eastern, why not put in more time here chasing the birds I know that are here? And also, <laughs> I'll just say this. I haven't seen another hunter all season where I'm going. So it's it's kind of like, why would I leave this piece of private public land that I've got the birds pinned on? Now, I'm sure I've done it now. I'm going to knock on the wood here right now. But, you know, I've yet to see a single hunter, dude. It's absurd. Right. Yeah, I remember you uh, you telling me that. You're like, hey, man, I've got this place all to myself. <laughs> and yeah. Especially after you were telling me. How many birds were gobbling open in morning? Yeah, uh, and I was, and you were like, I've got, I haven't seen anybody else. I was like, this is phenomenal. I was like, that gum coronavirus. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, I'll be up there tomorrow. <laughs> oh man, if you and I could give, if you and I could do a weekend over here on this place, hunting morning and evening and midday, oh, we would, we'd be tagged out. I mean, between the two of us, we, we'd be able to figure to, to have gotten onto. I mean. It's beautiful. It's like picturesque swamp bottom. It looks like it's Florida. In fact, I'm not going to lie to you. For the first time today, I actually kind of thought about taking the camera, but I'm 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 going to break people's hearts here. I'm not taking it <laughs> probably for the next couple I, I, until I tag out. I've got to get some more birds under my my, my wing, <laughs> pun <Right>. intended. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I haven't done enough. I'm still a rookie at this. I don't need to take a camera. Yeah, yeah. You, just go out and have fun, man. Go out and yeah. learn as much as you possibly can this season right because this is like i said it's uh, an opportunity for you to get out there and hunt uh, a, a ton <laughs> yeah exactly uh, this season so this this season may be one of those seasons where it sets you uh ahead finally where you're right. like okay well okay now i know what these birds are doing you, you may be able to get like a a seasonal pattern for next year you're like okay well this is what the birds were doing last year at this time you can go back and look at your logbook that you've started and be like, okay, this yep. is what they were doing, and then go into there. Because like I've said before on the podcast, there's been places where I hunt where I've literally killed birds within like 20 to 30 yards from where I'd killed one maybe the year before. Right. Um, because they, that's where they like to hang out this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know how people with, with trophy bucks, they say, oh, wherever you find a big trophy deer, you're probably going to find another one next year. I think that probably applies to almost everything because wherever you find big trophy bass every year, they tend to show up every year. Wherever you find uh, turkeys, they tend to show up in the same spot. I, I think it's one of those things where habitat is is habitat. And if you are willing to put in the time to identify the habitat, be diligent with logging it or finding some way of of of, of – 
recording it so that you can find uh, common ground, I think that is just a recipe for success. And, you know, I, I can't thank Scott Ellis enough. Huge shout out to him on this podcast between his his advice about the Turkey Journal, but also his Turkey Tech app, which um, uh, is, is about a $5 to app. It, it, it comes with videos. It comes with the ability to record and play back your audio with Turkey's audio. Uh, my mentor who, who literally showed me how to use calls. I was using calls wrong. I didn't even realize it. I mean, that's that's how new I am to this, guys. And um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I've had a lot of people invest in me this year and it, it's reaped the reward. I mean, I have reaped the reward, uh, this year as well. So I don't know where I was going with that, but man, I, I've got to say I'm addicted to turkey hunting and I think this is going to consume a much larger part of my like day-to-day life com- coming forward. Cause it is, it's so more, it's like, it's like elk hunting is the closest thing to elk hunting on the East coast we have. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that comparison numerous times uh, between yeah. turkey hunting and elk hunting. Uh, I've, yeah. I haven't done elk hunting yet, but at some point I will. One day, <laughs> I'll get out there. I'd love to kill a big bull with the old bow. Um, <laughs> I've got a place uh, on the wall here at my house for one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, me too. I've got several places. <laughs> just, just waiting. Just waiting. Of course. Of course, I'd love to shoot a small bull <laughs> with my bow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, hey, everybody's got goals. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So let's talk about your turkey season, man. I teed that up a minute ago, and then somehow we got back on me there for for a little bit or off track, either which way. So you have had some limited hunts, and you've had some close encounters. What has been your experience in the turkey woods lately? Well, that all of those are true. I did not get out opening morning. Uh, I worked the day before, so I wasn't able to get out opening morning, and then I figured there'd be, I could have kind of gone out mid-morning, but I figured there'd be people out uh, that morning already, so I I didn't want to bump or do anything uh, to them. I just figured I would go out that, uh, the first evening and maybe try to roost some birds. (laughs) So I went out to this one spot where uh, it's it's a pasture where I've seen birds in the past. Well, they'll kind of strut in the evening times, and I walked to this fence line, look out and there's three gobblers, a couple of jakes and probably three or four hens within about 50 yards of where I'm at (laughs) looking across the fence. Uh, and they were just all feeding. Uh, they weren't really doing anything, uh, other than feeding and kind of heading back to where, uh, they like to roost. I got back in the woods. Um, one, I'm fired off to a crow kind of like right after I got there a little bit. Um, but I got back in the woods, called a little bit. Um, I think one of them gobbled once. Um, but they had hens right there. Um, the fence was kind of, I was kind of in between me and the fence. And on that side, uh, I technically, I cannot shoot over there. Uh, I just had to watch them walk past me at like 30 yards. And then I'm like, okay, well, I had a good idea where they were going to roost. So I went to another spot. There was another bird, uh, on the property that I can hunt. He was in a pasture, but he had like five or six hens with him. He was just out there strutting. He was gobbling. I mean, he, he gobbled quite a few times. Um, I never called to him. Uh, it was just, goblin to shot goblin to crows uh flying over his head and then i saw where they roosted so i was like okay i got a plan for uh in the morning and i was like well i could go where i i knew where the one bird with the five or six hens roosted pretty close like i I had a real good idea where they roosted Um, but i also had a good idea where the other ones roosted because i heard them uh gobble a couple of times as i was leaving uh that night so i'm like well i'm gonna 
up the odds a little bit, I'm going to go where I know there's three gobblers as opposed to just one with hens to where the hens could fly down the opposite of me and then he walk away, never get a shot. At least I'm going to, I'm going to go where maybe there's three gobblers and maybe I can call one of them uh, into me. Went in there uh, the first morning, pretty close to one of the jakes, I believe, because it was a jake firing off me, firing off in a tree, probably 50 yards from me. Um, but I heard one of the gobblers, uh, it was roosted right on the fence line. <laughs> so they all actually ended up flying down into that field. Um, and, or well, one of them did. And then I heard some birds gobbling probably three or four, probably 300 yards through the woods from me. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go after those because those are on the property uh, that I can hunt. Went out there. There were two birds uh, in this pasture. They were both strutting, gobbling like crazy. Um, but I couldn't. I had these woods, and then there was a power line in between me and the pasture, and I knew I couldn't cross that power line because it was out in the wide open. And I wasn't far. I was maybe 100 yards, 120 yards from those birds. And they were kind of looking my direction anyways, which I found out later why they were looking my direction. <laughs> um, so I just kind of got set up there. I called to them a little bit. They would gobble. I mean, they were gobbling like crazy. And it was foggy. It was weird. It was foggy. They were gobbling like crazy. I mean, one of them would sound off, the other one would sound off to it, and then the other one would sound back off to it. It was like, at one point there was like ten seconds worth of goblin between the two birds. Um, they were they were definitely fired up. Both of them were uh, pretty good birds. They probably had nine ten inch beards, um, and they were just out there doing their thing. And I'm like, okay, well I'm just going to set up right here, see what happens. Well, I look out in front of me, and I couldn't see them originally. Well, there was like five or six hens, and the hens were probably fifty. Uh, 55, 60 yards away from where I was at. And they were walking kind of, they were walking to the south of me. And I was like, okay, well, these birds are going to come over to where these hens are. So I'm going to see how close they come. Um, Because like I said, I would call and they would, they would gobble to it, but they weren't coming to me. And I didn't have any decoys or anything set up at the time because all I could do was just get out to that opening and see what was there. Um, They ended up following the hens and they stayed just out of range, probably, I don't know, 75, 80 yards um, from where I was at. So I watched them kind of follow the hens. I'm like, okay, well, once they kind of go into the woods, maybe I'll try to get on the other side. But as soon as uh, they got in the woods, they hushed. Like, they quit gobbling. Um, I got set up, but no cigar (laughs) on that one (laughs) for those birds uh, that morning. And then I went to – I think I went to another spot, and I I saw a bird out strutting, but he, he just stayed out in this pasture and uh, he had a bunch of hens with him um, that morning. And then I, I ended up going out the very, let's see here, did I go out the next morning? I think I went out the next morning, got those birds that were over there that day. They weren't over there that next morning. Uh, I went back over to that pasture. They were all in that pasture. And they were out strutting. They had hens, four or five hens. I stayed back in the woods. Um, of course, they're where I can't shoot at. Had them come across. I mean, they came right up to the fence. <laughs> I called them right up to the fence, uh, but they had three or four hens right in front of them. I mean, they came up to the fence. They were looking hard, looking hard. And I was like, all right, just just come over the fence. And it's not it's not like a bob wire fence. It's kind of like the, the cattle fence to where it's like the squares type deal. So it's not like they have to, they have to fly over to get over the top or to, to get over to where I'm at. They stayed around for a little bit, um, and then they ended up just following the hens uh, on out to they, – they, they normally hit this kind of like little bottleneck area, and then they go into uh, some woods uh, further to the east um, from where that is set up. 
so that that was my first couple of hunts. Uh, I went out again. Like I said, these birds, I've been those couple of birds that stay in that pasture. Uh, I've been on them multiple times. Um, I've and I, I actually made probably a rookie mistake on them. Let's see. It was a few days later. I went out. Uh, I got them with again. Uh, to the fence in one spot uh, they just wouldn't cross over had hens so I cut through the woods because I saw which way they were going I was able to cut through the woods a ways make it around to the fence line uh, on the other side and then I, I couldn't see them anymore um, I figured that they had crossed into the woods so I was like okay well I, I'm just gonna and they were gobbling good Th- these birds have been gobbling uh, good they, they would they'll pretty much gobble to you to your call and they'll gobble to crows um, they're, they're just not interested in leaving that pasture for the most part. So I, I kind of cut real quick and I'm up against the fence line. Like I just got up, I was already up against the fence line. And I'm like, I think they went in the woods. Uh, I'm going to see. So I cut real quick and one of them comes running out of the woods, <laughs> like, uh, right towards me and stops and is looking hard. Like, and I am stuck in the wide open on this fence line. Uh, and I had my binos up too, looking in that area right after I had cut. And I'm like, Oh crap, I'm just going to have to sit here with my uh, binoculars up. And he starts walking towards me and I'm like, well, I can't shoot over there from where I'm currently at. Um, but I'm just going to have to sit still and see if they see if he passes me. Well, it wasn't 30 seconds later, the other one comes out and they're both headed straight for me. Well, the the one ended up getting within like 15 yards of me. The other one was about 20 yards from me. And I couldn't see the one, so I just kind of like barely moved my head a little bit. Well, I guess he noticed me move a little bit. So he kind of putted a little bit, but it wasn't crazy. Like he may, And then I just stayed still, and they both kind of walked past me. Once they uh, got past me a little ways and were facing away, uh, I, I kind of moved back off the fence, called. They both gobbled. I mean, they both instantly gobbled to the call, but then they just kind of headed off. Like they would gobble to the call, but they, they would never turn around and commit um, to coming back. And I watched them go off. Uh, I actually ended up getting further down, and then I ended up seeing a, a couple of other birds. One was a giant bird uh, that I ended up seeing, uh, but he had a hen with him, and he was just – I guess he was love struck with her because he was like right on top of her. <laughs> um, the only way I could get him to gobble was like a shot gobble um, type deal. And then I, I had to, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a loud, like, cut as, as, as hard as I could hit the, the slate call, and then he would gobble to it. Um, and oh. there, there was another bird with him. It was, it, was a, it was a younger bird. This bird, I don't know, he, he had, like, a seven-inch beard. And uh, he would, and he was hanging around with him, kind of strutting a little bit, too. And I was like, well, maybe I can call him off of uh, that bird, or him off, but – he wouldn't come either. He was stuck on that hen too. And then later he ended up just walking off. Um, so that, and then it was probably, it was getting close to noontime at that point and I had to get out of there anyways. Um, so that's been a majority of um, my encounters. Like I said, I've encountered those other birds multiple times, probably five or six times at this point. But like I mentioned, I can't shoot across the fence uh, over there. So that's kind of been disheartening. Or I went out one morning with my buddy. I did do a hunt with my buddy. Um, we didn't get on anything early, and then I had to go. I had to go into work. And then, of course, I see a the, – the second I'm leaving, I see a gobbler uh, strutting with some hens like 300 yards away. <laughs> so I, I left that with my buddy. I'm like, hey, uh, why don't you try to go after this gobbler? I got to get out of here and get to work anyways. So that has been my season so far. I haven't gotten You're out. You're a good dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is what it is, man. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> spl- yeah, spl- no, there's plenty just... of season left, and he would be tagged out at that point anyways because he, he killed a bird uh, on the right. second day of the season. So yep. uh, get him out of the woods. <laughs> That's right. Get, get, go ahead and get him tagged <laughs> out and moved on. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been fun. Uh, I've been close. I've had some good encounters. Um, there, there's been a f- – Maybe uh, there was a morning maybe there where uh, there wasn't much action going on. But, yeah, that's been about it so far. Um, but the season's still young. I was about to say. I've still got a couple of other places that I can hunt. I haven't spent any time on either one of those places yet. Um, been sticking close to home so far. So uh, I plan on getting out there uh, probably in the next three or four days uh, when I can get a chance to uh, get back out. And I've been... I've been I've been working overtime at work and doing some other stuff. Uh, of course, the kids are home now as well, so they're not in school. So that's kind of uh, put a little damper on like the amount of time I've spent out there in the morning times where I'd normally spend longer out there. Um, I'm coming right. home a little bit sooner. But it's that's still fun, too. I'm getting to hang out with the kids, so I can't complain. Either way, that's where my uh, season's at so far. It hasn't been I, – I don't have any kills yet, but I've had action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no shortage of, 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 of action for you ever, I think. Uh, <laughs> but that's awesome, man. You, you you always manage to get on game and you have a good time doing it. So I, I guess I always tell people it's it's just a matter of time before Chase gets on him. You know, it makes it happen. It, you're just an animal. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate that. I've heard I've heard other people say this too, and I kind of kind of live by this mantra, is – any chance I have to get out there, I get out there. Like right. even if I only have an hour, say if I have an hour and a lot of people would go, well, I only have an hour, so I'm not going to go out there. I still go out there. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, exactly. going to go out there. I'm going to get Intel. I, I'm going to try to get stuff where, Hey, maybe it'll put the pieces of the puzzle uh, later on for me. And I've, and there's been so many times before where I've just like, okay, I've got a little bit of time and then boom, I ended up making something happen uh, because I w- ended up going out one of those deals. So I always encourage people that, uh, to always just get out and get after, even if it's just, okay, well, I'm just going to go try to roost a bird for in the morning, or maybe I'm going to go confirm my suspicions that I think birds are hanging out here midday or something. Uh, even if you only have an hour, just go, okay, yeah, there, there are birds hanging out over here. So the next time I get a chance to come out here, I'm going to, I'm going to set up in this spot. Well, and I think with turkey hunting, uh, because they're a vocal bird, like let's say you've got an hour in the morning and an, or an hour in the evening, go listen for birds. Yeah. Go get them to shot gobble. Put all those pieces. I'm with you, dude. You actually said to me the other day on the phone, you said, do you now understand what an advantage it is to be able to hunt as frequently as you do, even if it's for short periods? I totally get it now because you're always dealing with live information. Whereas when I clock out of the, the deer woods or the turkey woods on a Sunday and I'm not able to return again until the next Saturday morning – Six days of stuff has happened, or five days of stuff has happened at that point, and and things have changed, and pressures have changed, and the birds' demeanors where they're where they're roosting has changed. Being able to be in there every day and pick up on that and put those little pieces together, it's it's monstrously beneficial. And I think that you know I was thinking this year, what am I going to do next year? Because Lord willing, we don't have another situation like this next year. But that the downside to that also means. If I can't find a way to work remotely during spring season, I need to do something to allow me to keep that intel fresh. And maybe that's evening hunts. 
you know, during the week or getting up and going and listening for birds before, you know, before work on a Tuesday and a Wednesday um, and coming in a few minutes later. Actually, I could probably still get there on time because of how early the sun comes up now. But my point is, you're doing something to constantly keep yourself in touch with turkey hunting. You don't even have to be close. You don't have to be in the deer stand. You can just be listening from afar with a hoot owl, not impacting anything, but getting intel for the next, for the next time you can hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what I live by. (laughs) If there's, if there's a chance that I can get out there and get some intel that that's what I'm going to do. Um, that's what I've been doing for probably the last, I don't know, eight or nine years of just going out right. is, is anytime I have a little bit of time, I'll go right. out there. Um, just, just to get that Intel. And I, and I think that has led to a lot of success for me. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so my season has been kind of interesting because like I said, I've, I've been able to hunt nine, nine out of the last 10 days. I took one day off cause I just, I'm fighting allergies and allergies to me are like a freaking cold. Uh, they're so severe. So, you know, I had to, you know, take a break and sleep in a little bit, but uh, you know, Clay helped me find this spot. Clay's my mentor. I've mentioned him on uh, on this episode a couple of times now. He's also my next door neighbor. Fantastic guy, wonderful representative of the turkey hunting community. He eats and breathes this stuff, and he's really invested in me and told me, you know, this is the kind of sign you're looking for. These are the kind of areas you're looking at. Go out there and listen. Go do these things. And he's done. He's walked a wonderful line of, of, of pushing and encouraging me but not you know trying to like force anything or guilt trip me into doing something and it's it's been a wonderful relationship thus far he's helping me with my calling but anyways i go out there to the to this area about two weeks before the season and i start locating these birds which are very 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 call shy um they don't talk rather is what i should have said not call shy i wasn't calling to them but uh, you couldn't get them to roost to, to, to speak much on the roost. So he and I started getting up early before work and going out there and listening to them on the, uh, on the roost as they're just waking up. And, and we were able to identify that this area has, you know, at this time we're thinking, you know, three or four good birds and we keep roosting them. We keep triangulating where they're at down in this bottom. And finally, uh, the season comes around. He hunts a lot of private land. So I kind of have this spot more or less to myself, really. He's got an open invite and he knows that, but if I had private land, I'd go hunt private land too. I mean, that just, (laughs) the birds talk a lot better. Today was a case in point. I didn't hear a single gobble for the second day in a row. And clay was ate up with, with birds gobbling. I mean, it's just, they're temperamental things. But I've hunted just about every morning, and it's been very interesting seeing how they, they their their patterns change. In fact, Andrew Maxwell is texting me right now, and he just asked me, uh, and you and I talked about this earlier, uh, about uh, does the amount of gobbling decline as the season progresses? And I told him, and I'll share this with you guys, I started a log at the recommendation of, of Scott Ellis, and every day when, the, when everything's fresh on my mind, I put down the temperature, the location, the winds, was it foggy, was it not, what was the pressure, and then notes. Anything of significance that happened. And all this book does is is to serve me as like a, I don't know, like a foundational guide, like, you know, to reference later on and see if patterns show themselves. And this is one of the cases where that journal came in handy because when I looked at it today, I thought, man, the, the calling has really declined lately. And I looked, and sure enough, it didn't. It was actually quite... Um, they were talking a lot the first two days of the season. And then after that, they took a dip. And then the day that I killed my bird for about a period of three or four days, they were very, very talkative. And then it, now it's taken another dip. And he, and he echoed kind of a similar sentiment, 
uh, on his observation as well. So I encourage you guys, if you don't already have a logbook, you probably need to get one because it'll help keep you anchored, uh, you know, maybe when that emotion of the or short-sightedness of a couple days have passed and you're kind of tired, you know, you can go back and look and see, okay, it's going to come back in. I just need to put that time in. And I say that especially for you guys that are weekend warriors, it might feel like the calling has gone to crap. Well, you might, because you're only out there for a couple of days, be consistently hitting those lulls or, or the, the tail end or the, or, the, or the front end of one of those sequences. So don't, don't you know, dismay. I don't, I don't think that, at least from what I'm seeing across the board, the calling doesn't just completely decline. I think it kind of, you know, cycles in and out. But, you know, I'm, I'm in this bottom. I found all the scratching. I've had constant close encounters. In fact, um, I've had probably three times. So opening morning, I called a Tom with four hens, three or four hens, down the two track. And I got that joke. So I'm sitting there opening morning. The area where I think there's two or three birds it is a chorus. In fact, at one point, I, I looked at my, I, I had, I had like, I was struck by panic because there were so many birds around me gobbling that it actually kind of rattled me a little bit because I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to go after because some of them were so close that it's like, well, if I set up for this one, this one's going to come in behind me and bust me or vice versa. And at one point I thought maybe these, these are echoes. Like maybe in this bottom, these things are like echoing and I'm, no, these birds were losing their mind. And uh, it, it was a good time, but I, I ended up as the sun, you know, came up and they went down. Most of the birds went quiet, but this one that was just losing his mind. And I set up with the decoys, and it felt like he was coming this way, but he wasn't. He stopped. He obviously had hens. I could hear the hens. So I cut the distance by about seventy-five yards. Yelped again. He fires off. He hasn't moved. I cut the distance by another seventy-five yards. Cut. He hasn't moved. He's right there with his hens. So I, I thought to myself, okay. You've got a bird that'll talk to you. These hend up. Why don't you just go ahead and get in tight? Like, be aggressive. The worst case scenario, you're going to b- disperse these birds, and then you can just you know get back you know get back on them later. But it, it's opening morning. He's talking. No one else is talking. Just be aggressive. And I look down the way, and about another 75 yards from me, there's this bend in the two track. And I think to myself, I'm going to set up within 35 yards of that of that two of that bend, and I will put my decoy 20 yards in front of me. And when those turkeys come around the corner instead of looking all the way down this long stretch they'll be 10 15 yards from a hen decoy and i can get a shot well everything worked out perfectly in that plan with the exception of being able to set up the 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 decoy because those hens i'm convinced heard me walking down that road creeping down that road even though they couldn't see me because the palmettos and they started coming to investigate because here comes this I mean, I was cutting pretty hard previously, this boss hen coming down the, the road, and I think they were looking for a confrontation. So I, I catch the movement through the palmettos, duck behind a pine tree, and get set up within 35 yards, but with no decoy. And I watch their legs come out from under the palmettos, they come around the corner, and there he is in full strut, right in the middle of these hens. I, you would have thought that each of them had like, you see those guard movies where they got like a really dangerous inmate and they've got this long pole with push pull them, you know, where they want to go. It was like they had this dude bondage style and he was just always right in the middle of these hens. And the one in the back was like always on his butt. I didn't feel comfortable taking a shot because I probably, maybe uh, I went back and patterned my gun again. Maybe I could have at one point gotten a shot off on this bird without killing the other hens, but it just wasn't worth it. And my gut said, dude, it's the first day of the season. You've got plenty of time. Let them go. And so they, they saw the, they saw no decoy. 
eventually the hens were like, okay, she's not a threat, and she then they let her off into the woods, and that was the end of that that morning. Couldn't get them to gobble again. Uh, couldn't get any other birds to gobble. And about ten ten thirty, I came home, and uh, two days later, it's a Monday now. I'm back in that same bottom. And got there a little late. I, my stomach was tore up, Chase. I'm talking like, I it was, you talk about taking every opportunity you got no matter what. I was sick. I did not feel good. And I'm sitting here and it's kind of foggy and I'm coming up with all these excuses. You just put in, you know, 12 hours of hunting. You've got the rest of the season. Stay home. And I'm laying there and I'm, I'm just kicking myself. I'm thinking, dang, gum it, dude. You've been, you have been given 30-something hunts. <laughs> That you can go on and you're going to pass up one of those right now? Like, this is absurd. Just go. So I, even as I'm walking down the trail, I'm like, I'm not going to go that far because my stomach hurts. And I had to stop like, you know, twice on the way into the end of the turkey woods. And I'm sitting there bumbling down. And I, and I let off three of these, the most half-assed turkey yelps you've ever seen. Just, I just was just trying to do the thing so I could say I did it. And about 120 yards off the trail, he explodes. And immediately... <laughs> all my self-doubt, <laughs> my stomach quit hurting, I, my nose quit running. I felt great. <laughs> I, I was because the thing is, Saturday and Sunday when the birds weren't talking, I scouted. And even though I couldn't hunt them, I'm walking around the woods. I'd yelp every once in a while trying to strike a bird midday. I went down in these bottoms where the he came from the first day. And I found that as you came off the hill, it opened up into the swamp bottom. So at this point, I'm confident that A... If I can get him to gobble again when I get a little closer, I can probably get down within close range of him because, again, it's early season and you know they're going to get hinned up. There just hasn't been enough time for them all to have been bred. So I get right. down there and I, I cut a couple more times. It's about five minutes to shooting light and he goes off again. And, and this time I recognize I know exactly where he was. He's right up from some, a bunch of scratching and scat that I found down in this bottom. And I said, screw it. I'm going to get aggressive. I'm going to jump down in this bottom. I'm basically going to make a big circle around this bird, maintaining that, you know, 100, 125 yards. And I'm going to get down in that bottom where he can't see me because of the treetops where he's at. And I can get close. And I just so happen to know there was a cluster of trees in the way between him and me where it wasn't open. And I knew my movements were concealed because at this point, as I'm making my way through here, I'm making noise. It's shooting light. I mean, at any point in time, he's going to fly down. So I get down in this bottom, and it's relatively open. And again, everything Scott Ellis was saying on that podcast was use the terrain to your advantage. If you can get where you think he's going to step out in this big open area, do it. Because when he walks out, if he doesn't see what he's looking for, he's going to leave. So <laughs> I am... At this point, I don't know it. I am maybe five minutes before he flies down. And I'm like, I'm going to cut the distance another 50 yards. I don't care if I bust this bird or not. I get up 50 yards. I get set down. I have no time to even put a decoy out. And I, I yelp. And, and as I'm yelping, I see a big bird fly down out of the tree. And my rookie self, I keep telling you guys I'm a rookie. I'm thinking, this is a buzzard. It's so weird that there's a buzzard over here already. You know, like I, I never even thought that it was a turkey. And it goes, whoosh into the into the into the leaves and he double gobbles i'm like oh my god <laughs> this might actually work i haven't busted this bird and he went silent for a while now i haven't had like a bunch of up close encounters I, i've said on the podcast i probably got four or five encounters where i should have killed a bird if i had done what i was supposed to if i didn't move if i had hidden myself properly i had four or five encounters i probably could have shot a bird if i had been patient and not made a lot of mistakes 
this was one of those times where I'm in uncharted territory. I've never had a bird this fired off. I've never been this close to a roost before. I don't know what I'm doing. And my first thought was, I need to know if this bird's coming to me or if he's leaving. So I cut really aggressive, but didn't yelp. Just cut, 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 and shut up. And he didn't say anything for a while. And all of a sudden I hear crunch, crunch, crunch. And I couldn't believe how much noise these birds make as they come through the, the, the leaves. And he gobbles in front of me. It's so dark in this bottom. It's barely, I mean, again, it's like maybe 10 minutes past you know, the opening of shooting light. And I hear him gobble, and, and you can just hear him rattling. I'm losing my mind. I'm shaking absolutely uncontrollably. And I'm looking through the red dot that's on my shotgun. And because it's such a crappy red dot, I can't see through the freaking thing. So now I'm starting to panic because here comes this bird. I'm going to have this bird walk out into this opening, and I'm not going to be able to kill the freaking thing, Chase. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm beside myself. And about the time I'm having this conversation with myself in my head, out he walks in full strut around the corner. And, dude, I freaking lost it. My arms are shaking. I can't keep the gun barrel still. He's going to see me because of the gun barrel. I mean, it's just, it's just bouncing. And I look through the red dot, and I realize I can see his body. I can't see his head. So I'm thinking, okay, what I'm going to do is when he steps out and he comes out of full strut, I'll see where his head is. I'll just hover the red dot above. You know, I'll pick my head up a little bit, see where his head is, hover it where I think it should be, and just hammer the trigger and hope for the best. (laughs) Well, it worked out. (laughs) He didn't move. I thought I missed him and he ran off because the gun kicks like hell. I, I don't remember the impact. You know, I've got the adrenaline, but it, you know, it rattles you, you shakes you. I don't see the bird. And then I look and the, the feathers are dropping out of the sky <laughs> and I rock this bird. He didn't move. He didn't flap his wings. He didn't do anything. He just laid down. He was done. And dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I lost it. I lost it. Like I was on TV and I just shot like a world record buck. I could not believe that on the morning that I had to convince myself to get out of bed, that it was foggy and, and, and per, per the, the Turkey gods, they don't talk on foggy mornings and an area where I managed to circle him in broad daylight. I managed to convince this bird to come in and let me kill him. So if you have any doubts about your ability to kill a bird, I managed to do it. So you need to get out there because you can very obviously kill a bird if I can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but. (laughs) Oh, well, man, that was a, it it sounded like an, an awesome hunt. Everything came together for you. You used a lot of the information that you've got from, listening to people that have come on the podcast. So that's yeah. been one great plus uh, for this season. And you went on your instinct. You you got aggressive. Uh, we've been hearing that quite a bit too, about getting aggressive yep. with these birds. Uh, you did, you listened to that voice in your head and you kept going. A lot of people maybe would have stopped. And that, yeah. that could have been the difference. If you'd have stopped back that 150 yards or whatever, instead of pushing forward, uh, you may have never seen that bird. He may have just stayed in that bottom and, and strutted the whole time. So because you got so close, uh, he, he was willing to investigate uh, what was going on. Now, were there any hens in that area? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was why I think my gut told me to get tight and, and don't worry about busting the bird because I, this was – this was – as the crow flies, maybe a hundred yards from where I had him at 35 yards the day before. Okay. I mean, I, it, it was the same bird. I'm convinced to, uh, looking back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. 
So that, yeah. that's cool. Well, tell everybody uh, about the bird. Beard length and spurs. Uh, so he was nine and I think a half or nine and a quarter inch beard. I wouldn't say he was a paintbrush beard, but I mean, I'm plenty happy with him. I mean, he's he's a healthy Tom. Um, in fact, when I walked up on him, I, I have this like insane sense of self-doubt. Everything that I do, I talk myself out of like being aggressive. I'm not a very like risk-taking, I'm a risk-adverse person. So when I pulled the trigger and I walk up, I've never seen a turkey up close before. I couldn't see his beard. I thought, oh, my God, you just shot a strutting hen. And then I saw his head. You know, I saw his head. I'm like, okay, he's got to have a beard in here somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, he's nine and nine and a, a half at his longest length uh, on his beard. Plenty plenty respectable time. Um, his uh, one spur, I think, is an, uh, an inch and a quarter, and the other one's an inch and a half. So he's got some pretty good, you know, pretty good hooks on him. Um I, they're sharp. I can tell you that much. I poked my thumb my, or my, <laughs> when I grabbed him again, rookie, when I grabbed him, I didn't pay attention to where the spur was. And I squeeze, I, I squeezed the, uh, <laughs> the spur and hurt myself there. But, uh, I think he was 17, 17.1, 17.2 pounds. So real, you know, that's official. Like I put him on a fish scale weight. Yeah. 17.1 pounds. Um, just a, a healthy, what? Three-year-old, two-year-old bird chase. You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, the spur length, he probably was a three-year-old bird or yeah, could so have there been you older. Go. So that's yeah. awesome, man. I, I couldn't believe it. I, it it's cool, man. I, I think um, – I don't know. I look, Looking back on it, I want to say – like I, I acted on my gut, and I can't tell you guys like why my gut told me to do what it did, but you asked where there are hens in the area. I felt like I heard t- hen talking back there, and the amount of – uh, as quickly after daylight the day before those hens were in that area, I knew they were roosting not too far. And I just, it felt like, and even Clay was like, dude, you got lucky with that move. And I did, I did get lucky, but it was also the right call for this hunt, obviously the way it turned out. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would impart, like, I don't want to say that I'm telling you guys what to do because I've only killed one bird here. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but if you're dealing with a lot of hinned up birds, when he was coming in, there was yelping on the other side of him. And when I, when I pulled that trigger, he was full strut coming out of full strut and starting to leave to go towards those hens because he didn't see what he wanted to there. So I'm firmly convinced, I think you kind of hinted at this, if I hadn't got that aggressive, I think if I had even stayed like out just outside of shooting range, which for me is about 45 yards, I don't think I'd have killed that bird. Because he was just, he knew where his hens were. And I think what struck him was like, holy crap, this hen's like right underneath me. Let me check her out because she's close. You know, like I had called to him a couple times at daylight uh, as I came in. So it kind of felt like that natural progression of a hen coming to the gobbler that maybe flew down a few minutes before he did. So um, I kind of like being aggressive. I kind of like being bold in this regard. And I'm trying to like replicate that this year. Um but, you know, I, I guess if, if I can share something that I've learned, it's that being bold isn't always a bad thing. And uh, if, you, if you find yourself frustrated not being able to close the difference, maybe it's time to get a little more aggressive. That, that's not true. Not you specifically, I mean, but the listener, you know. Well, I'm always aggressive. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I, I'm not afraid to get down and crawl, go after them. Right. If I bust them, I bust them. Uh, I've never been one to, like, just sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait, wait for the birds. Right. Um, I had, I did early on and a lot of times it was just would never work out for me. So I'm like, okay, well I'm going to go to them. <laughs> uh, I'm not going right. to give them that chance. And to think about it, how many birds have you killed? Not being aggressive. Not exactly. Exactly. None, not a single one. <laughs> so 
you've got uh, you've killed uh, a bird being aggressive. You killed none right. being uh, not as aggressive. Right. Well, you know, even going back to our episode in January with Andy May, think about what he said. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Go in there, bust the bird. Go in there, bust the, the, the deer. And then you now know what the limitation is. If you're always conservative, like I have been so, uh, as a default, I've been so conservative. If you're always that way, you don't know how far you can push the envelope. And I think it's more important to be conservative knowing what the the, 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 the end of the line is than it is to be conservative so that you don't cross that line. And I know that's going to, I bet you there's somebody right now listening. It's like, dude, you get 30 hunts this year. I get 10 like you originally should have still. I mean, take one of those hunts and push the limits and see how far you can go because I'm thoroughly convinced. Like you just said, I have not killed birds because I've been too conservative. Right. Like I, I can, I can look back and see times in my mind's eye that I've been on public land in Georgia in years past, where if I had been more aggressive, maybe I would have busted those birds, but I really think it would have ended with success. Right. Well, I mean, if you think about what you said is it'd probably be the opposite for somebody with 30 days, they should be less aggressive and somebody with only probably. 10 days, they should be more aggressive. Cause if you've only got probably. 10 days to hunt, it's not like you can just sit back. Okay. I got the bird here. I got the bird there, but, and you're only going out on the weekends. <laughs> So there, there's plenty of days in between where someone else could have been in there hunting and maybe right. kill that bird as well. I mean, you're hunting public. So just because you can't, just because you only hunt it Saturday and Sunday doesn't mean that there's not Joe Schmokes out there on a Wednesday gets in there and kills the bird. I think on public, you've got to be aggressive because there's, yeah. there, I mean, there's no promise that that bird's going to be there tomorrow. I mean, Monday morning, somebody could be sitting there uh, right. and boom bird's done. Uh, I think it pays to be a little bit more aggressive on, on public land. So, yeah. I mean, you can yeah. mark it. I mean, some people, and it depends. Like, and you're sure you hadn't seen any other hunters, then maybe, Hey, you don't, you don't want to be as aggressive, but if it's heavily pressured, uh, public land, I would say that you kind of want to get aggressive with the birds. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can be honest with you now. I'm going to be aggressive with deer too. Like I know I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm probably going to be on here at some point and be like, Oh, dang, I'm going to shouldn't have gone in there and done X, Y, and Z. But I mean, my gut has always said do this, and then I've talked myself out of it, and now I'm wondering how many times my gut was probably more correct than than waiting. You know, like right. Well, I, don't I know. mean, you're you're hunting for yourself, so right. hunt how you want to hunt. If you want to sure. be aggressive, be aggressive. If you don't want to be aggressive, then don't be aggressive. Right. So just there's there's no. Just don't complain at the end of the season and say I wasn't aggressive enough. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> or I was too aggressive. Exactly. Just. Go with the style and do it. See what happens. Yeah. And then use that for the next season. So right. it's nothing there's no there's nothing that says you have to tag out every year on deer or you have to tag out every year on birds. Maybe you learn something uh that particular season where it helps you tag out every year sure. from here on out because you were so aggressive but you actually didn't get on a bird that year. No, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. I I think it's all in that line's probably gonna move. You know what's a, what works when they're hinned up versus what works when they're not. You know, I mean, here's a deal. Here's a here's an easy scenario for you. Let's say all the all the birds are bred, and these boys are red headed and ready to rumble. Well, if I'd been that aggressive, he might already come down off the roost and was coming to me. Right. You know, I mean, or if you or if if you're used to cutting the distance two thirds to three quarters, and he's really fired up, there's probably going to be a time you're setting up, and here he popped over the ridge looking at you. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. It just you know I, I notched I notched the gun for the first time I've, I've got a, a, a turkey fan in there drying I know 
one thing that'll work for me, and hopefully at the end of the year I can figure out two more things. And if I have, then the season's worth it. Oh yeah, dude! You've already you've killed a bird. You've, you've yeah, <laughs> you've killed a bird this season. It's a win. Yeah, success. Absolutely, you've already had a win this season. That's it. So well, and might I add, wild turkey is freaking delicious. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> I've, I, I've got plenty of recipes that I've used for wild turkey. Uh, I, I love wild turkey. Hopefully, hopefully all this coronavirus crap uh, is done in the next week or two, and you and I can get together and film a hunt because I think that'd be. Uh, <laughs> I think that'd be killer. If you haven't already self-filmed both your birds by then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know that that's going to happen, so we'll see. Yeah. I got to uh, – whenever I can get out there again, uh, maybe I can make something happen. So, Listen listen to you downplaying it. Your own wife got on Facebook and, and said that I severely underestimate your, your, your uh, ability to find time. <laughs> I will find the time for sure, but maybe not these next couple of days. So yeah, I've yeah. got uh, kind of notched out uh, maybe a day that I'm going to take off. So that'll give me some more time out there where I can do some consecutive hunts uh, in right. a row. So hopefully it'll happen. It, it, it's weird. Turkey hunting. Sometimes you, you have little streaks there where nothing's going on and then you go out two hunts and you're tagged out. I mean, yep. it, it can change that fast. Oh yeah. And that's what's great For about sure. it. And you found that out this season. So well, welcome to the Turkey Killer Club. <laughs> thank you man i i appreciate it that's uh it's been fun i just want to give a shout out to everybody yourself included but also the guests that have come on the show um clay for taking the time to invest in me i've had a lot of people recently since i started this podcast especially this season invested in me as a turkey hunter and um you know i just kind of want to ask you guys to do the same thing if you're listening to this right now and you consider yourself a good turkey hunter Find someone around you you think might enjoy that as well because this is this has to be the easiest way that we can bring new hunters into the fold. It's an active way of going about it. The weather's cool. There's an auditory and visual stimuli that happens from hearing the birds gobble, which is just awesome. Always a heartthrob uh, when it happens. But this has got to be the easiest way to get people into hunting and, and, and bridge that gap and get more people in and, um, you know, with social distance, distancing uh, being such an important thing right now, man, I told you, I haven't run into a single person in the woods. So, uh, you know, I just I just want everybody, I, I, I'm not quite ready to take someone under my wing. I know that. Um, actually, I'm far from ready. But the moment I am and the, more, the moment I feel like I'm a capable turkey hunter, I'm going to be introducing people left and right. And I just hope anybody who's listening to this would do the same thing. Yeah, that, that's some great advice uh, for me and everyone that's listening included right so it's, yeah it's, we got to be able to uh pass it on and get more people involved so i hear all the time that hunter numbers are declining uh, i talk to people and they don't believe it but the numbers don't lie so right. uh, they're getting these numbers from license sales and things like that the baby boomers are uh were a lot of the people that were hunting and they're, they're getting to the point where they no longer even have to buy licenses in a lot of Correct. states once you get over what is it 65 you no longer have to buy a hunting license yep so we need to get more people involved and get them out there, and we need to have some champions uh, for what we love to go out and do, and that's hunting. Absolutely. Well, dude, what do you say we wrap this up and send people on their way? Let's do it. All right, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, as always, do us a favor. Tell somebody about the podcast. Our numbers continue to grow. In fact, this was a record-breaking march for us, and that means one thing. You guys 
are telling other people about this podcast. And that means the world to us because that means you enjoy this episode. And don't forget that we've got a Yakin for Bass challenge still on the books. We're kind of watching this closely right now as as it's a touch-and-go situation with COVID. But as it stands right now, it's still on. Go to our Yakin for Bass challenge Facebook page. Uh, Join that group. We'll keep you all kinds of posted. We're still working with partners to get everything tied up. And we will keep you guys updated as the weeks progress. So until next time, take someone in the turkey woods. But most importantly, get outside. Every once in a while, it's fun to go with, like, just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.